A century ago this weekend, in fact, 100 years ago yesterday, uh, events took place on this island which sound like the sort of stuff you'd hear in a Hollywood movie. There was a man who was tracked down across the country and who was shot using a gun which was belonging to a man that he himself had allegedly overseen a fairly brutal killing of only a few months earlier. Now, the whole affair would prompt some sectarian riots. It became a serious turning point in the turbulent and tribal history of this island. The man's name was Detective Inspector Oswald Swansea, and Donald <laughs> Fallon is here to tell us all about him. You've made that name up. There's no, no way anyone it, it, is actually this, called This that. sounds like a subplot in Peaky Blinders, but it's a very real story from, from the Irish Revolution. It's amazing. D- District Inspector Oswald Swansea. It is a genuine name. He was killed uh, on the 22nd of August uh, 1920, which is obviously 100 years ago yesterday this is a story Donald which on one level begins in Cork it, it does yeah the violence played out on the on the streets of, of, of Lisburn it was a, a sunny Sunday morning in Lisburn Oswald Swansea policeman 15 years service gunned down on the streets uh, in, in, in daylight Lisburn by the following evening was basically thrown into this brutal kind of sectarian violence as a result rioting looting and the like on the streets and while this is now a kind of lesser known story of the revolutionary period at the time, you know, this had an enormous effect. This was, you know, front page of the London Illustrated News and everywhere else. And it links these two, I suppose, very distant places, Cork and Munster and Lisburn, mm. just beside Belfast. So the story has it all, you know, from, from espionage to, to looting and brutality. And that this man was shot, District Inspector Oswald uh, Swansea, using a gun that belonged to Tomás McCurtain, the Lord Mayor of Cork, mm. whose debt was pinned on him. Adds an almost kind of a kind of mafia-like symbolism, you know, of, of revenge to this tale, an eye for an eye, so to speak. Yeah. So if people are thinking that they do recognise the name of Swansea, it is because he was linked to the death of McCurtain, which has been marked in Cork, and of course he himself is on one of the Cork GA jerseys this year to mark the centenary. It's really uh, sad for murder. Cork because this is Cork's year in the in the uh, decade of centenaries, and I know people in across the island were sick and tired of Dublin in 2016 and the Isaac. Mm. 1920 was really Cork's year, and that beautiful jersey with McSweeney and McCurtain on it and, and, and other things. Yeah, they just have haven't really got to mark those events as they deserve to. Sure, hopefully we'll have a few days out in Croke Park yet to see how we go. Um, Lisburn, for anyone who hasn't been there, and, and by pure fluke, I drove through it yesterday because I was in Belfast seeing some friends and I came back. It's today, it's officially a city, uh, in, but very much in the shadow of Belfast. Yeah, it has city status, but it feels like a town. I mean, it's about eight miles from Belfast mm. and it's home to just 45,000 people. And demographically speaking today, I mean, it is overwhelmingly Protestant mm. and even more so, you know, a century ago. And I think it's important in Irish, in Irish history is industrial. Uh, it was the birthplace of Ireland's, you know, linen industry, which was a bedrock of the Irish economy. Belfast became known as Linenopolis on the world stage, mm-hmm. but it was Lisburn where it all began. And, you know, for anyone who's driving north, if you're staycationing maybe in, in, in Belfast, if you're allowed to do that anymore, I'm not sure as of this morning, but, you know, the Irish Linen Centre is there, one of the best museums on the island of Ireland. Lisburn, you know, was a place really that was busy, uh, it was Protestant and it was very far removed from the, the action. You know, a lot of the action was happening or was perceived to be happening mm. in Munster. Now, of course, the death of McCurtain, which we mentioned, had occurred a few months earlier in Cork and it was a very high profile event in itself. Yeah, McCurtain, I mean, the, the, McCurtain is the first citizen of Cork. He's the Lord Mayor. There's a bust of him outside Cork City Hall today. Very popular local businessman, very prominent Republican and ultimately the first elected Republican Lord Mayor of the city. But he did 49 days in office as Lord Mayor. So, you know, a short run. But he's a figure who's very publicly associated with the revolution. And when he becomes Lord Mayor of Cork, he's basically advised, you know, you need to you need to stay in the shadows, you need to stay out of the line of sight. And he says, I consider it beneath the dignity due to this office that I should evade arrest. So he kind of refuses to go into hiding. Cork has an IRA Lord Mayor, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And the fact he even makes it 49 days to me is, is extremely 
extraordinary. Yeah, yeah. But then on the 20th of March, 1920, it's his birthday, his 36th birthday. You forget how young many of the protagonists in, yeah, the, in the Irish Revolution are. Yeah, because it was only Michael Collins who said, was it the anniversary of his death or his birth the other day? And uh, the fact that he, he achieved all he did and he was assassinated when he was basically something of a de facto prime minister or the head of government. And he was only in his very early 30s. Yeah. He'd already gone and been a revolutionary leader and negotiated with the court of King James. And he was like, killed in his early 30s. He'd been, he'd been a cabinet minister in his 20s, yeah. you know, which is un- unimaginable. A very the rarely Jack happens. Of his day. The Jack Chambers <laughs> of his day. But poor McCorton, I mean, 20th of March, his own birthday, his 36th birthday. Uh, he's shot in his own home. and it, it's, it's the way it plays out. It's horrible. It's the early hours in the morning. McCurtain's wife opens the door. There's men there with blackened faces. They rush up the stairs of the family house and they call him out of the bedroom. And when she's remembering it later on at the inquiry, his, his grieving widow says, they seem to know the house better than I did myself. McCurtain walks out of the bedroom in his nightclothes and he's fired upon. And I mean, the fact that the first citizen of Cork is murdered in his own house it infuriates public opinion in Cork. It goes international in a very, very big way. Mm. And then the ludicrous suggestion from the British is Osher McCurtain was probably shot by fellow Republicans, which is just absolute nonsense. Yeah, of course. And which is why then, understandably enough, when there is an inquiry into his death, it doesn't lay the blame at his fellow Republicans, but rather at the feet of the Royal Irish Constabulary. Yeah, we all remember it a time before COVID-19 when we spent the early weeks of this year fighting about the Royal Irish Constabulary. It feels like a lifetime mm. ago now, mm. but the blame is placed God, at the door. it's been a long year, the- hasn't it? God <laughs> yeah. Blame <laughs> is placed at the door of the RIC, and the the inquiry concludes. We strongly condemn the system at present in vogue of carrying out raids at unreasonable hours. And so the wheels are then in motion in Cork. You know who done it, and how do we avenge the death of McCurtain? And you know Cork had a bad nineteen twenty. It began bad and it got worse. I mean mm. the replacement mayor, uh, the very charismatic Terence McSweeney, would die on hunger strike. So one after the other, two brilliant Lord Mayors of Cork, side by side now in the county GA jersey, mm. uh, are lost. But you know in terms of avenging uh, McCurtain, there's there's really one name, and and the one name that jumps out is is Swansea. What is the the, the role of Swansea? How do, eventually does it end up falling on his head? Even now, it's unclear exactly what the role of Swansea is in the death of McCurtain. But he's the only significant RIC figure who's named in the inquest. So okay. he would have ultimately had authority over these men. And as far as Collins and others are concerned, you know that's enough. Whether or not mm. he himself had gone to the house uh, and shot McCurtain, mm. he definitely authorized it. So investigations then begin, and it says a lot about Collins. You know, a, a young man. He has people at every level within the police. He's able to find out where this guy has gone. Swansea's been moved from Cork to Lisburn, probably the the, the safest place in Ireland as far as they're concerned for mm, yeah. a policeman uh, on the run. Uh, they even find out the, the name that he's living under, the, right, the house that he's hiding in. And it's decided that the IRA in, is now going to seek some kind of retaliation against him. Uh, extraordinary stuff but of course that begs the question is what what could they do because you want to avenge McCurtain but there's a severe logistical issue with lads in Cork who want to avenge someone and then the guy that they're trying to target being at the opposite end of the island There's an obsession in the IRA with, with symbolism and, and there's a belief that the shots that will avenge McCurtain you know they should come from McCurtain's own gun which is incredible and not only should they use McCurtain's gun on the streets of Lisbon to send the point but they should send Cork men north to fire them mm. so I mean a Corkonian mm. accent to be honest on the streets of Lisbon yeah. would be You're gonna stick uh, out. a most yeah. peculiar thing. Yeah. You know, you definitely stand out in, in the in the Lisbon of 1920. So what they ultimately do is they they dispatch kind of Corkonian volunteers, you know, via the train uh, up to Belfast, mingle them a little bit with with kind of Belfast lads, and get into the operation. And this guy Sean Culhane, who's an, an intelligence officer for the IRA in Cork, in the company of a Belfast man called Roger McCorley, literally walks right up to Swansea on the street. And they unload two shots into him in close proximity, running away to a getaway car. 
it's it's chaos, absolute chaos. You can see this playing out in a Hollywood movie. I mean, they, there's a chasing crowd running after them. They fire on the crowd. They keep distance between themselves. Mm. And the atmosphere is like an, like an erupting volcano. You know, one of the lads, McCorley, has to throw himself into the moving getaway car because the driver has panicked, as you probably would, yeah. looking at this scene. So, so, and it's taken off already. So the getaway car has already gone, has already made its getaway before the whole thing is gone or its, its cargo is back on board. Extraordinary. And I mean, for people in Lisburn, it just felt like you know, the unimaginable had happened. Well, well and, and on that note, it must have been particularly sensitive for them as well because we have to remember that up to this time, the whole question mark about there being troubles or any kind of a sectarian spat or there being some sort of violent uprising against British rule and everything that led to the Anglo-Irish Treaty, it was seen very much as being a localised issue. You had Solohead Beg and all these other places, yeah. but it was all effectively a monster conflict. And suddenly they are there in a satellite town to Belfast and lo and behold, yeah. this guy's been shot in the for Ulster, For Ulster loyalists, it's terrifying. The, the troubles are like a monster regional spat in the Unionist press, or at least they want to present them that way. They're kind of living in denial, to be honest, because mm. there is stuff happening in Derry and the like. But, but they like the idea that this is you know, the savage paddies in, in Munster going to war. But now you have it on the streets of Lisburn. So, I mean, there had been violence in the province before, but this is happening. This is a, a daytime, a morning execution on the streets of Lisburn. And if, you know, Protestant Lisburn could be breached, I suppose the line in, in the Belfast Telegraph and in the other papers of the day is, you know, where's next? Are people going to be shot walking down the Shankill Road, you know, by the IRA? Yeah. And then, of course, the fact that this then suddenly brings the conflict to their doorsteps, things managed to spiral out of control yeah. in that part of the world very quickly. Very quickly. I mean, the place is just thrown into violence. And, and after the job is done and, and the Cork lads are going home, Colhane remembers this great story that he gets on the train from Belfast and as the train passes through Lisburn, he says, we saw a number of houses on fire. So you know, within hours of the, yeah. the, the shooting happening on the streets, the place is burning. And the violence that grips Belfast, or Lisburn, I should say, is remarkable. Catholic houses, Catholic-owned businesses, anything that was perceived mm. as being kind of in any way other. And one of the Belfast papers says that Lisburn looks like an episode in, in Dante's Inferno. Wow. The British put the army on the streets to protect uh, St. Patrick's Church and a Catholic chapel in Lisburn. And I don't think it's that they particularly cared for St. Patrick's Church in Lisburn, but I think they were, they were more interested in stopping images of kind of Protestant mobs burning Catholic churches. Yeah, you, know, yeah. you want to present the North as a, a, a totally normal mm. British place. Lisburn is a British city. You want to keep this going, idea as well that this is a Munster conflict. So exactly. you don't want so, some of your big issues yeah, going the, up in The place. front of the Illustrated London News with a burning Catholic church in Lisburn would, would, be a, would be a disaster. But the thing spreads into Belfast and you know, within a week of Swansea's death there's two dozen lives lost in sectarian violence in, in Belfast. So this thing just spiralled totally and completely out of control. And if you're so minded you can go and see the gun that prompted it all. Yeah, in this summer of staycation you can you can go and see it in a, in, a, in a museum, and I think you know to conclude this, you have to ask why did they do this? Why did they take the action that they did? If, mm. if ultimately this was going to be the the end result of it, but I think when they weighed things up, they felt that avenging McCurtain, you know, was a was of paramount importance. Whatever came after that, and McCurtain's gun used in the operation on display now the Kilmurray Independence Museum uh, in County Cork, they have it on display. So an extraordinary story. And in fairness to the, the, the museum in Lisburn, the Linen Museum, they put on an exhibition around this. And mm. because of COVID-19, of course, things not being quite normal, the exhibition is visible online. So so listeners can can have a read of that great exhibition. So just that out, that's at the, the, the Linen Exhibition in Lisburn. And then, of course, you can go and see that gun as well if you're able to get in at the Kilmurray Independence Museum in Cork. Uh, fascinating stuff as ever. Uh, Donald, thanks very much for that. Donald Fallon is a historian. He's the author of The Come Here To Be Books and he's the presenter of the Three Castles Burning podcast in Dublin history, which you can find anywhere you get your podcasts online.